we love that. That brings joy to us. That back and forth. That just, you know, that's just what we like. So, you want to play that game? We can play that game. It's cool. You know, it's it's all it's all on in between the lines. Like we're we're competing for something huge. Like so, we're not. You know, it's never personal. I don't care who I'm talking to. It's just a person right here, and I'm just gonna say what I feel. And I'm gonna do what I feel too. And that's what they gonna do. And we appreciate, like, you know, if you you bring it and we we on that, that's cool. But you know, what we look for, that's man. what you saw happen. You saw ain't no running in the yeah. L, man. We climb up the chimney. Yeah, for sure. We ain't ducking no fun, smoke, man. man. We gonna let everybody know we here. We gonna play hard, trying to get a win. And if you don't like it, oh well. And you might as well bring it. So you gonna cry what the baby's gonna do. I'm done with all that bluffing on the court because them guys do a lot of bluffing, so, you know. I'm from the bluff city, man. We don't do no bluffing, man. Grizz Nation, what's going on, man? Welcome back to another episode of the No Bluffing Podcast, the first episode of the 2023 season of the No Bluffing Podcast, man. I know, I know we've been away. Uh, we went away for the majority of this beginning of this season, man, and, you know, it wasn't on purpose. <laughs> it just kind of worked out that way uh it wasn't because we were losing uh we would you know th th this podcast is always excited to talk about grizzly basketball uh it's just a lot of things that worked out that way the Grizzlies was going through a tough time uh as y'all know if you're a grizzly fan you've been paying attention and uh we've been trying to figure some things out you know in, in regards to the no bluffing podcast so uh still not set in stone or how we gonna you know move forward this thing but you know, with everything going on with Grizzly basketball right now, man, you know, I had to come on here and, and, and drop y'all just with my thoughts, man, as far as where the season has been going, where we at right now, and even looking into the future a little bit too, you know, um, you know, I'm one of those type of people that, you know, when you're going through things, yeah, you got to figure out ways to make it through. But one thing I heard a long time ago, man, is that if you look back on your life, you've made it through everything if you're still here breathing. So, it, it, you know, it's, we don't know how we're going to make it through this situation that we're going through as, a, as Grizzly fans and as a fan base and as a front office coaching staff and these players and stuff like that. We don't know. But I promise you this. We're going to be better for it for whatever reason. In some kind of way, we're going to be better for it going through it. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm done preaching. It ain't Sunday. It's Monday. And, um, uh, we got a lot to talk about because again, we haven't. This, this is going to be the first episode of the season for us over here, and um, you know I won't bore y'all and go back into you know trying to break down every game up until this point. Uh, I won't try to you know bring up everything that's done happen, but I will kind of just you know talk about where we are right now. You know what I'm saying? That's what I really want to focus on: where we are right now and where we're going, where we could possibly end up being. Um, in June, you know, whether it be still playing, whether it be at home, you know, it, um, you know, it, it's a lot, it's a lot, man. So I'm gonna jump right into it. Um, no, no bluffing news today. Uh, I, I don't really care whatever is going on in the NBA outside of Grizzly basketball right now. We got enough on our plate. So damn everybody else. 
but I'm glad to be back. Like I said, man, I appreciate y'all that's you know been rocking with the podcast. Uh, that's been tapped in. You know, I've received messages and DMs. You know, like, hey, man, we missing y'all. You know, uh, you know when y'all coming back and things like that. So I appreciate you know everybody's support. Um, you know, with the pod. And again, we're gonna try to you know get this thing back on track on the rails. You know, of where it was. But uh, let's jump right into it today. So um, Monday, November twenty seventh. The Grizzlies, they coming off a 22-point loss to the number one ranked Minnesota Minnesota Timberwolves. I can't even say Minnesota. Got me over here sounding like Cat when he said it a few years ago in the playoffs. Minnesota, Minnesota now. Uh, we lost to the number one ranked Minnesota Timberwolves last night. 22-point uh, loss. Desmond Bain had 13 points, four assists in 34 minutes. Jaron Jackson Jr., 18-4 in 37 minutes. Uh, D. Rose, you know, just, just, just been, you know uh, – a lifeline in certain sense uh, for this team this year, 12 and four. And then Santi Aldama, you know, has been starting. If you haven't been watching, uh, Santi Aldama has been the starting three for the last couple of games and uh, put up 14 and seven last night as well. Uh, David Wright, I think he even ended up with 11 points. So um, not the best showing for these guys. Obviously ended in a loss, a 22-point loss at that. Uh, but let's talk about it, man. Uh, we, we, we'll get into – the coaching schemes and the in-game adjustments and stuff uh, for Taylor Jenkins here in a little bit. But I want to break down just a little bit about who's to blame for all of this. Cause I know that's, <laughs> that's a common thing. You know, I ain't, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say in Greece Twitter. that's in life, man. A lot of times we try to figure out who's to blame for something. Well, why did this go wrong? It can't just be happenstance. A lot of times it's got to be a reason or a person why something done happened. And I get that. But at the end of the day, you know, I get the mindset behind people that, that, that say it's always, you know, people that want to blame something. But it is reasons why. And, and so uh, we're going to break down those reasons, at least from my point of view, um, and kind of go from there. So, number one, man, let's let, let's just let's just keep it funky, man. Let's let's go ahead and start with Taylor Jenkins. I, I'm not going to waste too much time. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. And if you are have been an avid listener of this podcast or, you know, even follow me as, as a guest host when I'm on the Grease 901 podcast, shout out to Daniel, uh, Daniel Greer and, and Nathan Qualls. They're my guys. Uh, but if you heard me over there or any other podcast I've been a guest on, man, you know where I stand with Taylor Jenkins. And I've kind of, you know, I, I've had my thoughts and I've had my reason for my thoughts uh for about two years now uh this is not something new this is not just because we're losing uh i had these thoughts when these guys were going on winning streaks i had these thoughts when these guys were you know climbing up the ranks as being the next up and coming team in the nba when these guys were competing for the second seed in the west and so that's why for me a lot of the excuses that i see in regards to you know giving taylor jenkins uh and, and not holding him in a high regard of the reason why we're at where we're at, I can't really, I can't really rock with those excuses because I had these same <laughs> thoughts back then when we were winning. You know, this is not something, this is not a new concept for me. This is not a new thought for me. Uh, and I give y'all just a little bit of, of a back story of, of, of how I've ended up to where I've ended up with Taylor Jenkins. Uh, number one, I, I, <laughs> I say this jokingly, but I'm a little bit serious when I say this as well. Uh, my first mini red flag for Taylor Jenkins was was his the way he handled the Bruno Caboclo situation. Now, hear me out. 
do I think Bruno Caboclo was the the next you know Rudy Gay for this team? Hell, I don't know. And revisionist history would tell you probably not. But I'm talking about. I want you to j- just take it back to that moment that we were in, right? Um, because we can all, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Obviously, he's not in the NBA at this point. Um, you know, it is what it is. But you're talking about a guy that, you know, they talked about two years away from being two years away for forever, even to this day, probably. And uh, he came into uh, a situation with the Grizzlies where on the back half of that season, I want to say it was the 2018, 2019 season, uh, Jared's rookie year, where, you know, we were sitting guys. I think Mike was sitting for the rest of the season. I can't remember if he was injured or if they were just sitting him. I can't really remember that part. But I know Mark had already been traded. We brought in all these different guys. I mean, the lineups were crazy that year. Uh, matter of fact, I want to say Dylan Brooks wasn't playing as well. I think he maybe he was injured. So Bruno Caboclo, he comes in, and to me, for 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 a team that had been, you know, struggling to find a small forward solution for so long since the absence of Rudy Gay, uh, it was a little refreshing just to see a guy, just a random guy that I had never heard of come in and you know just compete i mean the guy he had or he has talent like he had he, you know he, he had to find a way to put it all together and at this point it's probably not gonna work out for him and i'm not gonna try to stay on bruno too long but um just from my standpoint of watching him did he have some issues and things he could have worked on yes but that's every nba player so i'm not gonna beat up on him uh from some of the things he can work on because we got guys that's on our team right now that can work on a hell of a lot uh he he wasn't a finished a finished product but i will say this some of the things that you wanted to see was which was you know hitting open threes or being able to hit mid-range shots uh he showed a little bit of ability to drive dribble drive he was athletic could catch lives things like that and he was a decent defender as well playing that three position uh i say all that to say when and i was a season ticket holder josh rookie year which is 2019 so it was taylor jenkins first uh you know, first year as head coach. So I'm looking at the team, even in the preseason. And I guess it had to be preseason because I don't believe he made the final roster. But I'm, I'm looking to see kind of how he's going to get incorporated coming off the bench because obviously Dylan was going to start uh, unless you put him at the two and then you put, you know, Bruno at the three, whatever you decide to do. Now, could he have had a bad camp? Possibly so. But the first mini red flag for me was when Taylor Jenkins rolled out Bruno Caboclo coming off the – impressive for what he was back half of that season you rolled him out there as a five that was just weird to me like this dude has shown that he has perimeter skills he's he has the ability at that point again context matters and we talking about then at that point a lot of people try to say oh well he's this and that now talking about only at that point he was showing that he could play on the perimeter um and you put him as a five and basically just he's out there trying to block shots. He didn't really get to show too much of his offensive game at all. Uh, and again, I know it's a new coach, so he gets to come in and do what he wants to do as far as rotations. And he's going to have his guys and he's going to see stuff through his lens. But at the same time, if I got a guy on my team or guys on my team, I'm not just, not just going to single out Bruno. I'm going to probably watch a little film of, of, you know, where this guy is or where he was prior to me getting here. Uh Obviously, like I said, he didn't make the roster. I don't believe the 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 beginning of the season roster, and so it is what it is. But I always talk about even with that, you know, situations and environments matter. And if Bruno was turning the corner at that time in his career, 
you know, talk, talking about coming off the end of that season, you kill all of that with basically trying to move him to the five and then you release him. And I don't, you know, I don't think he's really held up. I think he may have got a few uh, opportunities, you know, since then, but nothing really stuck. Um, it's unfortunate. I'll just say it like that. So that was my first little mini red flags. Okay. Uh, not the best way to use a guy that, you know, has shown certain things. My next one, personally for me, was the whole Dylan Brooks situation. Now, Dylan Brooks uh, in Taylor's first season, he was just out there doing what he wanted to do. And, you know, it was an infamous quote in a post-game interview where he came out and was talking about how, you know, the guys, they get going after him. You know, Ja gets going. Uh, he gets going so that Ja can get going and Jaren can get going. And, you know, it was just a, it was just a weird thing to say, you know, <laughs> You have John Morant, the number two pick, which is arguably could be the best player in that draft, even at that time. You know, fourth quarter job was a thing, all that stuff. You got a guy like that on your team, and you say that you, you get going so that they can get going. That's that's weird. You got the number four pick that, you know, has all this potential and showing all this promise. What makes you think that you are the Michael Jordan or you the Michael Jackson of this situation? And that went on up until his departure. He truly felt like this was his team. He should have been the leader. He should have been the focal point, as he said in a recent interview. And for Taylor Jenkins to never be able to get a handle and get a grip on that situation, that's really what made me be out on him, you know, first. Let's take away the, the schemes and stuff. Like I said, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But take away the schemes, take away the adjustments, stuff like that. That was when I was like, okay, this is not going to be the guy that's going to get us over the hump. Because for all intents and purposes, bro, like I, if you listen to this podcast before, you know how I feel about Dylan Brooks, even to this day. I can have a little bit of objectivity with him, and I have in the past, saying that, hey, if if he can, if he can just play the role that this team needs, and that's basically three and D. Maybe get in a dunker spot. Maybe go back to those mid-range jumpers that you were taking that were, you know, in theory, god-awful because you're taking one step inside the three-point line. It's like either take the three or drive it a little bit further and make it an easier shot. But whatever, it was working uh, for a period of time. If he could play his just perfect role, be the energizer, be the antagonist, be whatever you want to call yourself. Just don't go out there and take the dumb shots. Don't go out there trying to basically knock the picking order off because you're not number one, you're not number two. And when Desmond Bain basically in that second and third, you can start to see you ain't number three either. Now, I ain't saying, you know, obviously you got a lot of people that say it would have been better for him to come off the bench as the sixth man. And we never got to see that, you know. But I, I think, again, it would have been, been nice to at least try it. It would have been nice to at least attempt it. But we never saw Taylor Jenkins do that. Never tried it. Take the take the six man thing out of the way. He was able. He was never able to reel him in. And so going back to that first year, like I said, he had that one stretch that actually got him his extension, which was around. I want to say again, don't you got to quote me exactly on this. This is all just off the top of the dome, thinking about you know going back to it and thinking about you know what we saw but i want to say it was anywhere from either november to january or december to january it was a stretch where you know he was playing his role 
perfectly. Perfectly. Had no nothing really much to say, you know, bad about the way he was playing at that point. Did I feel like it was going to revert back to a certain way at some point? I did. But for that period and that stretch, it's nothing you really could say. You know, they kept coming up with these these stats and these graphics, you know, uh, when, when Dylan Brooks scores 20 points, the team wins, you know, X amount of games. I think they only lost maybe one or two games when he scored 20 points. Now, my thinking was if you put anybody in this spot, if you're getting 20 points from your starting shooting guard, plus what you're getting from Jai Close in the game, plus whatever you're getting from Jaron and the other guys on that team, I think you're probably going to win if you're getting 20 points a night from your shooting guard, adding to what those guys already had. But that was just me. Outside of his defense. Now, his defense is a different thing. You know, great, great, great effort defender. Can't take that away from him. But then you go past that stretch and you were never able to reel him back in after he started to revert back to his old ways. So he got the extension and he goes back to the same dealing. Now, granted, the season got cut short. They go to the bubble, you know, whatever. And, you know, he had his moments um, in between that point and him leaving. You know, I can't take away his first uh, first round series against the uh, the Jazz. I can't take that away from him. Can't take away the way he played in that play-in game against um, the Golden State Warriors. I'm always giving credit when credit was due. It's just when you talk about the balancing scale, it was too much on the other side for me to think that he was fit for this team. And if you don't have a coach that's going to reel him in to get him to play the perfect role, which M.A. Udoka is doing in Houston, then, you know, Hey, what are we doing? It's a very real possibility, and it's probably <laughs> happening in the alternate universe right now where Dylan Brooks is still on the Memphis Grizzlies, and they've instead of moving him, they moved the coach and brought in somebody that can reel him, reel him in, get him to buy in, and he's playing the perfect role for this team. But we'll never get to see that. I ain't going to say never. But I doubt it, and I, you know, I really don't want it. I don't care to see it. I'm, I'm, I'm really past. Yeah, I'm past it. Um, so that was when I really started to become out on him because you know you start to let Dylan get loose, um, and he, you know, yeah, he may help you in certain ways, but he can hurt you in a lot more ways. And so when he didn't find a way to reel that in, it showed me that you're not able to have those uncomfortable, hard conversations. And get the result back. Now, do I know if he's ever talked to Dylan about that? He may have, but the results were the results, and that never, it never, it, it never showed on the court. So you know, saying something is one thing, but getting it to connect and, and break through is another, and it just never broke through. Then you get him, you know, he doesn't show up to the the ex interviews that year, and it was all these excuses about, you know, Dylan didn't know and all this stuff. When he was the longest tenured Grizzly at the time, he knew exactly what was going on. And then it comes out on the next season that, you know, they wanted me to play a certain role, and I feel like I should have a bigger role, whatever. Which, that was my theory. Again, go back, run the tapes. I said a conversation was had that he didn't like, and he left. I said that. I called it. And he basically spilled it in his actual uh, postseason interviews this time. But anyway, uh, that was my second, you know, and major point of where I was like, okay, I'm out. Uh, third, which is what we talk about all the time, is just in-game adjustments or feel for the game. Taylor Jenkins has no feel for the game, bro. Like, it, he just don't. His read-the-room ability as well as DB, 
is not that great. Now, does that come from him not playing the game of basketball? I uh, Maybe. Probably. But I can't say. But I can say his feel for the game is just not there. Like, it could be so much better. Like, it's a lot of times, like, you know, people, they, you know, we, we make culture and critiques and things like that. We talk, they, you know, you'll get hit with the don't be a couch coach and stuff like that. But at a certain point, bro, okay, one or two times, all right, cool. I give you that excuse. But when we're watching this same situation start to play out every single night, this is not a – it's almost like you see what's wrong, but you're trying to – you're trying to make sure that you're right. You're trying to insert whatever scheme or whatever ideal that you have on this team. You're trying to put a, a square in a circle or, or, or a peg in a whatever they whatever the y'all know what the what the saying is. You're trying to put something that doesn't go where <laughs> it's supposed to go. And and that's even the thing with Grizz Twitter. A lot of times, you know, or Grizzly fans, we try to be right instead of just like trying to be logical with some with certain things, like. Just be logical, Taylor Jenkins. If this is not working, make the adjustment, bro. Stop trying to force certain things. I can go, there's a laundry list of things I can go down and say with that. Um, and we'll even keep it on even this year. Let's talk about this, this defensive scheme. We go from having a, a a top defense the last two years, right? That's what's propelled us more than anything outside of having John Morant. That's what's been propelling us to you know be a top two team in the West. Or to be a, a top team in the NBA period. It's been our defense. We got a DPOY because we played great defense. He was able to help us in certain ways, and we got out in transition and we scored points. When you're not playing great defense, shout out to D Rose talking about the communication. That's like that's I mean, dude, that, that that's that's middle school. That's high school as far as communicating like now that opens up the door for something else that makes me think like okay why a, a team that's been playing top of the league defense for the last two years why are they all of a sudden not communicating what's 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 making that happen i don't want to speculate but it's a valid question to have what's making that happen where y'all just all of a sudden don't want to talk to each other on defense jaron has been quarterback at the, the back of the defense for the last two three years what's happening now yeah, Dylan's not at the top of the key, you know, to do whatever he's doing. But, like, the, the scheme should stay the same. This whole allowing the, the 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 teams to have career nights against us every single night from the three-point line. Like, a week or two ago, the L.A. Lakers literally, they had the highest three-point shooting percentage against us in NBA history. And then you say, oh, that's a one-off. No, these teams every single night are having – history breaking nights against us whether it be for the player themselves the team themselves or the nba that to me says okay we are what 17 games into the season or going in going into the 17 game this probably should have been changed 10 games ago i get it five games you want to try it out maybe even 10. if it ain't working in 10 games all right let's switch it up a little bit let's just go man Let's shade. Let's, I mean, something. Something got to change. But just daring these teams, it's like we playing, <laughs> sad to say, but y'all know that Spider-Man meme where, like, you got the, the Spider-Man, Spider he's looking at the other Spider-Man, they pointing at each other like, oh, snap. It's almost like you're thinking that the other team is you. 
that they can't hit open three more shots. Newsflash, they can. These are NBA caliber players. They will hit open shots. These GMs are going out and getting players that can hit shots. For whatever reason, we draft players that can't hit shots. I can't say we sign players that can't hit shots because Zach Kleiman hasn't signed really anybody outside of Taylor, uh, Tyus Jones until this past summer. You got Derrick Rose. Like, we don't, we don't, we don't, outside of Desmond Bain, bro, we don't really get three-point shooters on this team. That's why a lot of us were so happy about having him. Three-point shooting has been Achilles' heel of Memphis for a long time. It's almost the same as, you know, free throw shooting. I don't know as soon as they step, you know, foot across that, that county line or whatever. I don't know what it is. Can't be the water because we got some of the best water in, 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 the, in the United States. But, boy, can they not shoot. Marco Guterich, boy, you talking about a top three-point shooter in the, I think it was the Euro League, wherever he came from. And you come over here and he can't hit the side of the side of a barrel. Like, what is happening, bro? But anyway, uh, let me get back on topic. Um, uh, yeah, like these teams are not us. They're gonna hit open shots. They're gonna probably hit some hard shots they shouldn't hit, but they definitely gonna hit the open ones. So why are we giving them to them every single night? Step up. Go over the screen and not under. What do we hide under these screens for when these guys are busting our ass every night from three? At some point as a coach, you have to say, okay, what I'm doing is not working. It's time to change. And a lot of the Taylor Jenkins apologists, they always come out and they move the goalposts depending on the situation. See, like I said, for the last two years, I've been saying that he's not I, – <laughs> I, I was one of the first. I ain't going to say I was the only one, but I was one of the first making that whole Mark Jackson, Steve Kerr uh, – analogy that he's a great communicator great developer of a you know culture and things like that but is he the one that's gonna get us over the hump no and i've been believing that for the last two years three years of him is what all i needed to see and i still stand firm in that now he's not the guy that's gonna get us over the hump i'm willing to bet money on it and I ask anybody to apologize for a lot of the things he does. Do you truly believe that he's going to be the person that's going to get us to win a championship, healthy or not? Please, please, please don't slap me or piss on me and tell me it's raining and say you believe it. No, he's not. I'm sorry. Great guy. Great communicator. And I believe he could be the assistant. I believe he could probably be the top assistant on a championship caliber team. I do believe that. But do I think he's the one that's going to actually control the ship? I don't. And I have five going on five years of information and data and, and just watching him and watching the game to say otherwise or to, or to say so. I don't believe he's that guy. And that's okay. He'll probably land on his feet with another team and, again, probably be a top assistant. Great for him. But this is not the situation for him. You know, you got all this stuff going on now as far as, you know, the, the Grizzlies, quote unquote, are trying to change their image for whatever reason. I don't know if it was the ESPN story that's, that's causing this or not, which is some bull crap. I'll try to cut down my cuss words. No, nah, whatever. It's some bullshit, that article. And for you to try to change your image, change the culture because of an ESPN article or some, some Instagram stuff that happened with Ja. Like, let's be real. Changing, it's been a, a a really big thing been brought up this year, just the in-game experience in the form. 
I haven't been in the game. I haven't been in the form this year yet. Uh, will be soon, but I haven't been in it yet. But a lot of people are complaining about just the, just the whole vibe, the music being played. They, I mean, people are saying that, that it basically feels like you're in a different arena. When the whole thing with the with the form has been us having that home court advantage based off of the vibes and the uh just the just the vibe of the city, bro. Like like the music that's being played, the temperament of the fans, the shit talking, like everything that's come with that, it's really no longer there. And you can say it's because Ja's not playing, but when Ja come back, are they gonna still be playing the same kind of music? Are we gonna just be this watered down franchise now because Ja made a few mistakes? That don't make sense. You want Ja to be Ja without some of the little, you know, dumb stuff that's happened. But you want him to be himself because that's his superpower and that's what makes him who he is. You don't want to take his superpower away from him and try to make him this clean whatever y'all trying to do. You've already surrounded this your, your core with a bunch of clean cut, not going to rock the boat, don't want to say too much. I do a little bit of everything type guys as far as his teammates. And we'll get on that in a minute. But yeah, man, it's just it, Taylor Jenkins and, and, and staff, bro, we got to do better. Let's talk about development because that's a, the biggest thing for me now at this point. Like I've talked about some of the things that that have really rubbed me the wrong way with him and why I think it's time for him to, to for, for the Greasers to move on from him. And I probably didn't get into too much detail on that part as, as I wanted to. Uh, but for time, I'm going to try to go to the next subject as, as far as him. It's been development, bro. Like, who has he, who has Taylor Jenkins and his staff truly developed on this team? Let's go down the list, right? Because most of these guys on this team, they've drafted at this point. So let's, let's start from the top. John Morant, have they developed him? No, John Morant came in with his God-given ability. He works with his staff and his training staff, uh, Team Morant. They do their thing. Now, granted, <laughs> could could his jumper be better? I don't know what's going on. You know, yes, you give John Morant a jumper. It, he's already almost virtually unguardable now. You give John Morant a jumper, I don't care if it's a mid-range or a three or both, he's unguardable period point blank i don't care what length pause you put on him he's gonna be able to get past that guy 9.9 times out of 10. so can i give them credit for developing john Morant? no i can't i can't even give him credit for the for drafting him because we shouldn't even have been in that spot if you're talking about lottery odds we were blessed and i got my conspiracy on the lottery anyway that I don't believe is truly done in the way that they tell us. I think they just pick these teams at the end of the day and they tell us whatever. A la, you look at Wimby being with San Antonio. Why did why did they not put Wimby in Houston? Okay. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Um let's go back. Okay. So we, we were talking about Ja. They didn't develop Ja. Ja came in as a rookie. Just go watch his rookie mixtape. I mean, you tell me that they, they developed that guy. You don't develop the type of talent that he is. Jaron Jackson Jr., have they developed Jaron? No, they have not. Go look at Jaron his rookie year and go look at Jaron now. He's gotten bigger. 
both height and just you know just he's just a big guy at this point he's he's, he's put on weight put on muscle he's, he's he's grown taller he was at what maybe six nine six ten and was playing more in the post then as a rookie than he does now under jb Bickerstaff. uh bigger staff that's next to Marcus all for majority of the season. And then obviously I think the second majority of the second half, even I don't even remember if he played uh, with JV much at all, his rookie year after the trade. I don't believe he did, but I may be wrong. Somebody can fact check me on that. But anyway, um, you look at where he is now. I mean, you look at his second year when Ja came in, he started to step out a little bit more and, you know, you could kind of see the trajectory that he was on, especially playing with Ja. But has he developed more from then? His defensive instincts is all in him. And that's what really gets him in trouble. You know what I'm saying? Getting his hands in the cookie jar, getting those early fouls or just the dumb fouls. That's instinct. He talks about, you know, his blocking coming from 2K timing crazy as hell to hear that but if that's what's helping him then that's what's helping him instinct his offensive game he's moved far away from being an inside guy and he did a little bit of both his rookie year don't get me wrong because i even remember that brooklyn game like that's that was his shining moment as a rookie and that's what i knew you know i watched him certain times you know uh in the form his rookie year and i'm like okay i love just the fact that he's got a little low post game a little bit but that Brooklyn game, I was like, oh, shit. Like, we got something with this dude. I don't know what's going to come from it, but we got something. Um, But from then on, I mean, he's he's regressed further and further from that pretty much every single year. Now, yes, granted, he's dealt with injuries and things like that. But for the last basically two years, for the most part, he's had a pretty clear bill of health outside of those games he missed early last season. Thank goodness. And, he, you know, last year he started to actually, you know, I guess realize who he was and what he had, but even the way he was playing at the end of last season for that long stretch where he was, you know, really the top guy for majority of the season due to, you know, either injuries or job being suspended. A lot of that was still just instinct. And obviously the other team wasn't game planning to shut him down offensively. They were more so game planning to, to, to get him out of the game defensively to foul him out. So that we don't have to worry about him being at the rim, having this, you know, crazy block season that he had. But now these teams are scheming for him offensively and defensively. And it's showing that he hasn't really developed much of his post game as we thought he did last year, probably. Now, this is year six for him and five with Taylor Jenkins. That's a problem, man. We can talk about, you know, the way that he's grown up and the way that uh, – not the way that he's grown up because none of that matters. The way that he was coached and trained growing up is what I meant to say. You can talk about, you know, his dad teaching him, you know, guard skills, whether it be shooting threes and floaters and, you know, touch and stuff like that. I think that's very important, but you also – and they probably didn't think he was going to be seven foot. Jaron Senior ain't seven foot. I think he's like six eight, maybe six nine at the most. I may be giving him an inch or two. But still, you know, at a certain point, you have to grab this guy and say, we're going to develop him. I made a point in our Discord last night, uh, Bluff City Media. Shout out to Bluff City Media. 
imagine the Milwaukee Bucks. They bring in Giannis Antetokounmpo. I can never say dude name. I'm just going to say Giannis. You bring him in and you just let him just be. You just let his natural God-given athletic ability and whatever else comes with it, you just let it be. No. You don't have the MVP. You don't have the finals MVP. You don't have the the champion, the multiple-time all-star. I think he's had a defensive player of the year as well. You don't have the resume and the player that you see today in Giannis if you just let him be. Shout-out to them for picking him, and shout-out to them for seeing whatever they saw in him to continually develop upon that. Uh, obviously, he had to go ahead and you know put in the work on his body and his and everything else. So I say all that to say, man, to to, to leave a guy with the broad skill set that Jaron has just kind of, to me, on the outside looking in, just leaving him in limbo to kind of figure this stuff out on his own, man, is just kind of it's kind of weird to me. Now, am I comparing him? Because, you know, every everything has nuance. And, you know, you'll say one thing and somebody will say, well, you're trying to say Giannis and Jaron on the same level. No, the hell I'm not. What I'm saying is that Jaron has a very wide and broad skill set. The guy can take you off the dribble from the perimeter. He can do that. But he's also shown that he has a, a he has the 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 potential to develop a go-to post game. I mean, he he's shown in spurts that he can do it. But it just needs to be polished. I mean, Jaron has a little footwork problem. He he needs to get better at footwork for sure in the post. Uh, shout out to Daniel Greer. I always give him the credit on that because, I mean, I don't want to sound like it's something that I, you know, came up with. But, I mean, it's the truth. If if Jaron would start his work early in the post, if if, if Ja or Derrick Rose or, hell, Jacob Gilliard, uh, Desmond Bain, whoever it is bringing the ball up the floor, especially if it's not on a fast break, if Jaron is already down there fighting for a position to where all he has to do is take a few dribbles, maybe make one type of move, or just turn around and just jump up, actually use his athleticism and jump because you're already seven feet instead of just being so flat-footed. Just jump and throw the ball into the rim if he's closer. Like small stuff like that. Jaron could be, uh, I think I over-under episode that I did with Marcus Savage, shout out to my guy over there at three, three the Hardaway. I think the over-under number we put at was like maybe 21 points per game. And we both said over. With Ja, with Desmond Bain, Jaron should be able to average at least 22 points a game just with that alone, with his skill set that he has, but it's just it hasn't been unlocked. But you can see that it, that it's there. It's not You can't look at him and say, oh, he, he doesn't have the ability to take people off the dribble, to hit the three, to use some, you know, to, to, to work in the post. And I've seen it maybe, what, twice that I can remember this season which is crazy because i've never seen it before but he's taking two mid-range shots this year now i i've never known what it will look like because of the way that he shoots the ball he already doesn't jump much and it's a push shot so that's always been my idea why he hasn't taken them because just because it's kind of weird but the two times he's taken them he's had space right there around the free throw line one he made and one he missed that I've saw that again that I can remember. But if you can develop even that, Coach Jenkins, like it's so many facets to his game that can be unlocked if a coach would just sit there and say, okay, 
I see what you can do. Now let's hone in on these. Let's refine these. Let's polish up the footwork. Let's only work on this. So let's do this for a certain amount of time. I heard Gilbert Arena say it was certain things that he would work on in the offseason. He would work on that one move. Like he would get up, he would get up, he would write down some moves. And for a period of time, he would work on that one move for just that period of time. Sound a little crazy because, you know, we're in the era of social media and guys just want to post these highlight reels of workouts and then they come out and don't do none of this shit in the real game. I'm looking at you, Chris Johnson. Because Zaire and Jaren, they ain't doing none of the shit that we saw in either one of them videos. I never knew why Zaire was working off the block anyway. When it With a guy that's going to be mainly playing 3 and D, and we've all had this idea in our head that he needs to get some shots in the mid-range as well because of his, you know, again, his athletic ability, his height, and just the fact that he's shown he can do it. Why are we working on post work with Zaire Williams? That makes no sense. And he ain't used that shit now once this season. The stuff we seen from Jaron, a little bit, but not really. A little bit, but not really. And then it leads me to ask, you know, we keep hearing from Jaron that, you know, I'm getting binders work for stuff to work on in the offseason. Well, what the hell is Taylor Jenkins getting you to work on? And then what is he refining when you get back? Because I, I don't see it. And this is not a shot to Jaron at all. I believe, again, Jaron has the skill set. I just want somebody to tap into it and unlock it. He may not be the person that can unlock it himself, and that's totally fine. Everybody's not going to be that. But you can't tell me that looking at the talent that he has, that you get pissed off when you go out there and see him play the way that he plays for the simple fact he's playing off instinct and pretty much instinct alone. You put some structure in that man's game, he's going to be a problem, bro. And that's why I can't I can't give up on Jerry yet. I've been saying since year probably probably two that he needs to get, you know, a little bit stronger mentally. He needs to stop being so damn soft. Anybody watching the game can say that. That's easy to see. But at the same time, bro, if that dude is working on his game and refining it to the level that we see it really can be, damn if he's soft or not because that man going to have so much skill. That's why, like, even with Cards in the Towns, it was a lot of people in the, in the last name, uh, last night's Twitter space, you know, kind of bringing it up because obviously they played each other last night. But Cat is soft as hell to me. He's soft. Can't stand him <laughs> when it come to that. Like, stop being so damn soft at seven feet. Cat, you can take nothing away from his game. Dude Cole, period. Multi-time All-Star was the face of the franchise until basically Ant got there. But Cat has skill. You can never take that away from him. Am I saying Jaron can be Cat? No, but he can be damn close. And then he brings the defensive intangibles that Cat doesn't bring. So, you know, it's just one of those things. Again, he can be refined into a much better player than he is. And I would much rather get a coach in here that's going to be able to develop Jaron into his final form instead of watching him just kind of drown out there. I'm over it. I really am. Let's move on. Desmond Bain. Taylor Jenkins bet not take no credit for Desmond Bain's development. 
because what we seen him do is a lot of stuff. If you go back and watch him in college, yeah, he was a four-year player, but if you go watch him, you can see flashes. He just needed time in the NBA to kind of, you know, for the game to slow down to him and, you know, for him to pick his spots, uh, for him to work on, you know, certain things on the NBA level. You know, his ball handling, yeah, he may have worked on that in the summer league and over the summer, but that's one guy you don't see too many summertime videos of Desmond Bain. He putting that work in and he comes back better every year. And you saw flashes even in his rookie year having to compete with Milton and Grayson Allen and Dylan Brooks for playing time. I can't give this coaching staff credit for Desmond Bain just because he played in a few summer league games. That dude had game and his head is on a different level. He's going to work with or without you. That's all I got to say about Desmond Bain. Shout out to him, the leader of the team. Uh, let's go down the list, man. Uh, we got uh, Xavier Tillman. Xavier Tillman, he didn't ask to go. I mean, uh, he he wasn't asked to go down to the G League when he wasn't playing. They didn't they didn't tap him on the shoulder and say, "Hey, X, you ain't getting no run, bro. So you need to go on, go down to South Haven and you know just kind of you know keep your legs together." No, 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 no. That man a professional. And just because his best friend is one of the cornerstones of the team, he didn't take it as I'm going to be here forever or I deserve to play. That dude went down in the G League, asked to go down in the G League, and he worked on his game. Now, I have had questions about his knees and stuff like that just for the simple fact he's been limping. I don't, I ain't really heard people bring this up, but he's been limping pretty much since he's came to the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, I didn't see him in college, so I can't speak to that. But he's been limping for a while. Now, it could be like some people. It may even shit, I, it may even be me where, you know, some of us have a little bit shorter legs than the other. And just by a little bit. I ain't talking about something crazy, but we may just have, you know, some of us got some uh, one foot is bigger than the other by a little bit. You know what I'm saying? So maybe it could be a little bit of that. It could be a hip. I don't know what it is. But he's always had kind of a limp when he's run up and down the court. And even when he walks a little bit. So you know, um, to see, you know, him going through a little bit of injury after, you know, him playing the amount of minutes he's been playing this year. And obviously he played a lot last year as well with Steve-O out. Uh, you know, that's been a little bit of a concern. But at the end of the day, that dude is a competitor. And he plays his role. Is he your starting center of the future? I don't think so. But I think he can definitely back you up if you have, you know, uh, if you have somebody in that spot. He can definitely play spot minutes. 15 to 20 minutes a night, especially depending on matchups. I trust that guy for the most part in the game. He worked on it himself. I can't give the front office or Taylor Jenkins that. Sorry, I can't. Brandon Clark. Brandon Clark came out of the gate playing the way that he has been playing basically since he's been in Memphis. Actually was playing a lot of that the same ways in Gonzaga, which is probably why they why they drafted him. And his chemistry with Ja came in. I mean, you're talking about wanting to develop a two-man game with Ja and Jaren. BC and, and and Ja was almost instant because you got a guy that can get to the rim and you got a guy that is going to roll perfectly and get that lob. And so now the defender got to choose what they're going to do. Am I going to step up or am I going to step back and try to stop the lob? If I step back, I'm either going to get dunked on or probably going to get hit with a floater from Ja. BC's been playing the same way. Matter of fact, y'all low-key messed his jump up because his rookie year he was hitting threes. Then you go into 
the next season and his shot is funky. We don't know what happened. You probably regressed him in certain ways. But the core and the essence of his game with this Grizzly team, you didn't develop that. Again, natural instinct BC plays off with. Pick and roll. Not really any pick and pop anymore at that. But he is what he is, and he's a, a great part to this team. But I can't give you credit for developing him from where, to where he is. Now let's talk about these guys they brought in recently. David Roddy. What have we seen him develop in? Now, granted, I'm not going to be too hard on the, 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 the guys that are in the second year because it's not a lot of time. But at the same time, you're not really seeing certain things. You're not seeing growth. You're not seeing a lot of development. Roddy low-key is playing the same way he played last year, which to me, you know, He's a, you know, I, I I don't, I'm not mad at Roddy being a ninth or 10th man on your roster. I'm not. Would much rather him get the minutes than John Conchar. People talk about, you know, John Conchar is this great 10th man. No, he's not. John Conchar, you tell me what team in the NBA, if we release him tomorrow, who would pick him up and say, I want that guy in my rotation. A guy that ain't scored a point in almost two weeks. Let's stop. But, yeah, David Roddy um, just hasn't uh, – you really haven't seen much. And, again, uh, what do you want to see from him? Probably just to hit open shots and play defense. Um, you like the toughness that he brings. Um, he came into the season a little bit slimmer. He dropped some weight. Um, so you would think that would kind of help with his, you know, uh, just speed, playing defense and things like that. But, you know, it's – you want to see more from him. You absolutely want to see a little bit more from Roddy. And, again, I'm not giving up on him at all. Um but if a trade comes through that he needs to be included in to make something work, then you know I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not holding my breath. But shout out to David Roddy. Uh, let's talk about Jake. Actually, let's not talk about Jake. No development. Let's talk about Junior. Ken Olaf the Junior. You have a guy that has a offensive skill set that especially the last, what, three games maybe, we haven't scored over 100 points. You need somebody that can score. Now, those of us that have been on, quote, unquote, the junior high or the junior train or whatever, which, again, go back and listen to the podcast, that's been me for a while. And I know he's got things he got to work on, man. I know, you know, people talk about his defense with, like, again, I said a little bit earlier, like people on this team or in the NBA don't have other things they can work on. But at the end of the day, I've been, a, I've been you know, of the mindset that you, when, you're in a, when you're in a fight like you are every night in these games, you got to use your weapons to the best of your ability. Now, I'm not – I'm not, you know, I'm not bringing out Patrick Beverly to go out and score 30 points. I'm not doing that. I don't even know. Has he ever scored 30 points in the NBA? I don't know. But if I'm putting him out there, I'm putting him out there so he can play defense. Probably on the team's best guard defender. I mean, uh, uh, guard offensive player. And sometimes even on their wings. Hell, he going to compete with a big if he can or if he have to. I'm not deploying him out there to, to to score points. If he hits a corner three here and there or whatever he does, layups, whatever, that's a bonus. But that's not what I'm deploying him out there for. So I'm going to use that same mindset with Junior. I'm not deploying him out there to play defense 
and to facilitate like all this stuff be like people got these they move the goalposts with junior so much because of whatever reason is it because he went undrafted or is it because of his size it's one of the two because you can't look at that guy and say he can't help an nba team and if you do like i just i don't i don't know how much i weigh your basketball opinion like damn analytics can the guy put the ball in the hole he can now granted the stuff that's been maybe going on off the court it's got to be something that's behind the scenes are they upset that he came into camp looking bigger than what he left last season or even the summer league possibly so is he messing up defensive schemes or or something in practice possibly so but we got to stop being so damn what's the word we got to stop being so damn like arrogant with whatever this 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 standard that we're trying to set that's not really working like we're trying to you know put our nose down in so many different things because stuff has been working over the last two seasons but i've been a big advocate of stuff has been working in spite of not because and john morant kind of puts that over the top you know with with a lot of john morant has been a beard I, I, it was so funny in our discord i put a picture up i said john morant has been taylor jenkins beard for the last couple of years and then i put a picture up of him in his first year it was so it was hilarious to me anyway but put a picture up of his first year here when he ain't had no beard i said this taylor jenkins without john Morant. if you don't know what i'm talking about go google a picture of taylor jenkins without his beard <laughs> like it's masked a lot man junior absolutely should be trying uh, should be getting some uh getting some run and i'm talking about consistent run especially with the being having bodies down you convert him last year from a two-way into a regular roster spot and you don't play him in the playoffs at all then this year you're down with injuries he's fighting for time still you bring in injury exception guys uh you bring in the jaw exception uh, the suspension exception like you bringing in all these people you're playing two-way guys over him and then when you put him in the game it's like you, you don't even let him get a full rhythm you just you know all right he go out there for a few minutes if he make a mistake we're gonna pull him i think it was the boston game he went out there made a play and then it gets pulled immediately after that like the dude can't even get a rhythm so that's why like a lot of people say well what has he done it's like damn you can't even get the man a rhythm we'll give all these other people you know 10 minutes to get into a rhythm and then junior if he don't go out there and score 40 in two minutes that's it we done dude got a skill set he can play put the time in with him develop him if it's a defense if it's like whatever it is put some time in but because you got damn near 10 young guys because of whatever reason or whatever the faults you see in him he gets thrown to the wayside because of whatever which we'll touch on that here in a little bit as well my problem with them having so many just young guys on this team moving on to, to vince williams another guy i think that if it wasn't so many young guys on this team that you could probably put some time into and allow him to kind of you know you can slow roll him or you could be playing him more and obviously it's at a point now where we're down so many guys you starting to see the last couple games he's getting a lot more playing time uh i think last night he didn't really i don't think he scored um but again 
Like, if you don't have, let me stop. I'm, I'm going to get into that in a minute. But uh, Vince Williams, he hasn't really been developed again. They just kind of playing him here and there. Again, second year, so I don't want to dig too much into it. Did we talk about Zaire already? I can't remember if I did or not. But if I didn't, let's talk about Zaire real quick. What is happening, bro? You gave, you spent your, you traded to get the 10th pick. To take whoever you wanted to take, you know, again, it's speculation that they wanted Franz Wagner. It's, it's speculation that they wanted Josh Giddy. That's really the only two names that I heard. I probably would have even tried to move a little bit to get uh, Kaminga maybe. Maybe they, maybe he was on their board. I don't know. But you trade up. Obviously, I understand you get Steven Adams as well, but you trade up to get um you, you trade up to get josh i mean uh you trade up to get that 10th pick and you spend it on a project in zaire williams now we know how this rookie year went he went out there and you know uh until that um i want to say that uh new york knicks game he was having a really really up and down season with you know uh playing all those heavy minutes with dylan brooks out majority of the season but you saw that he could do a couple things you saw that he can go play point of attack defense or defense period. You saw that he could run the lanes with Ja better than anybody on his team outside of Brandon Clark. And in spells, you could see that he was hitting the open three. In spells, you could see he could hit a mid-range jump. But then you go into the next year, we all know what happens for whatever reason. That Christmas Day game, giving up that backdoor layup to Jordan Poole, it broke him. They talked about he had injury stuff all throughout the year. And I've said on this podcast, and I will stand on it, if he was injured, why were you putting him in the G League? <laughs> like, explain that to me. You sitting Jake LaRavia out right now, and this is before the the eye abrasion and stuff, or whatever they were saying. They, I, I could have sworn they said something was up with his big toe or, or his master toe. So whatever toe they said he had an injury with. First it was the toe, and then now it's the eye, which he's been wearing goggles the whole season. So did this already happen, or is it just happening? Are we saying that's why he can't hit a shot? Like, if they injured, don't send them down to the G League to worsen the injury. Just let them sit and let them, you know, let them heal. That's an amazing concept, right? But, no, they were putting him in the G League, and they were putting him in in games where guys were taking off. So if Dylan was sitting this night or Desmond was sitting this night, guess who was playing? It was Zaire, and then he would go back to getting DMPs. So what is it? Is it his confidence or he's just not playing well or is it injury? I just don't think it can be both. That don't make sense unless you Desmond Bain playing through injury the whole year. Like you can't give, you can't have multiple excuses. Like I give you one of them, but damn, pick one. So then you come in and, you know, he had the offseason that, you know, he said he had and what he worked on. And I already talked about the Chris Johnson videos we saw. And then he comes in and makes the bold statement that he wants to make an all-defensive team. Now, on one hand, I say you give him the opportunity to do that. But he's got to be able to do things in other ways, you know, like we always make excuses for John Conchar. I hate to bring him up, but people will say, well, he's not here to score points. He plays his role. He doesn't mess up the game. So if all he does is play defense and get rebounds, at the very, at the very least, that's what we need Zaire to go out there and do. Because John Conchar ain't hitting shit. He's not making, he's not scoring. He's just out there running and, you know, he'll get a rebound or two or three or four. 
and we'll we'll make an excuse of why that's fine. Well, he wasn't a tenth pick, so I get that too. But like to say that you want to make an all defensive team, that's a bold statement, bro. So is he getting a chance to do that? Maybe he's getting pulled early or because, you know, he's not making that much of an impact, period. Cool. He started off hot, talked about how he was, you know, super confident. Now, where is that shit now? Now, granted, he kicked it into high gear uh, in the second half of last night's game. You know, I think he ended with about 11 points. So it took him a second, and, you know, I'm not mad at that. But at the same time, like, you in year three, I think it's make a break for Zaire this year. I said it, you know, over the summer. And if he's not showing growth, which, again, I'm not seeing much different from him. I mean, are they developing him? Uh, I can't really say. I can't really give you credit because, I mean, if they are, w- w- where is the development? He looks more confident. I will say that. He doesn't look as, I would say, scared as he did his rookie year. But the results are just not resulting right now. Santi. Santi is probably the only one that I could possibly like give them credit for. Other guys they've drafted. And even then, it's kind of like I kind of almost want to give it to him because he went home, you know, that summer after his rookie year. You know, it was reported Zaire went with him as well. One of them came back better. The other one came back worse. But that that's the only one I'll, I'll even try to give y'all credit for. I'll try. I, 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 can't, I haven't seen – again, same thing with him. I feel like his whole thing was confidence his rookie year. His athletic ability hasn't changed, which he showed athletic ability his rookie year. Uh, he's shown that he's able to hit threes. Um, he's shown he can, you know, kind of have that slow-mo type game to where, you know, he can maybe beat you up the dribble and he can slow it down and, you know, get into the mid-range, do certain things. Like, Santi's game is Santi's game. I don't know if I can give y'all credit for that, but you know what? Because I didn't give you credit for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten guys, I give you one. So you ten and one. That's 11 guys on this roster. The rest of them are made up of guys that are either, uh, you know, two ways or guys you traded for. Steven Adams, Marcus Smart, Luke Kennard. Um, I know I'm probably missing somebody, but uh, Derrick Rose. Um, but, yeah, it's, it, who have y'all really developed? A lot of these guys are just getting better just from playing basketball, but you're not seeing a lot of improvement in a lot of areas you would want to see. Now, a lot of y'all probably saying, all right, Chris, since you know so damn much, what would you do to fix it? Well, I tell you, (laughs) I got no problem telling you my idea. And you may not agree with it, and that's fine. You know, we all want this team, I think, at the end of the day, to win a championship. And if if that's not your goal, then, you know, so be it. I ain't going to tell you how to fan. It's kind of weird. It's kind of a weird fetish to have to want to sit through the stuff we've been sitting through <laughs> willingly and not want to win. But, hey, do you, man. I ain't mad at you. But to get back on track, man, if it was me and I had to choose, you know, the situation of how to fix this whole coaching slash development situation that I brought up, my answer is very, very simple. And I've been saying this for the last year, maybe year and a half at this point. Um, I will go make a call 
to feel handy, who's assistant with the LA Lakers right now. Um, I would well let me backtrack. I will first go ahead and fire Taylor Taylor Jenkins. Let me backtrack. First, I will go ahead and fire Taylor Jenkins. That's what I would do first. Um, a lot of people are saying, why would you fire him midseason? Why the hell else do any other coach get fired midseason? It's because they're doing a bad job. <laughs> they're doing a bad job of manage, managing their situation. That's why you fire any coach midseason. Taylor Jenkins has done nothing to earn otherwise. I'm sorry. He, he, like, he hasn't. He's been here five years. It's issues that hasn't been fixed. This is just basically shown who he is. But to me, he's done, bro. Like, he's done. So I'll go ahead and fire him. I would let, if it was me, I would let Anthony Carter, who's been down in Miami, uh, been in Miami. He's been under uh, Coach Spolstra, um, who has been to two NBA finals in the last, what, three, four years. Um, and he's a former NBA player, which nobody on that bench can say besides him. Um, you can say Vitaly again, cool, but like, I don't know. I, mm, let me, I'm just going to, mm, yeah. I'm gonna make Anthony Carter the interim. I just say that. Shout out to Vitaly, uh, Vitaly, because he definitely does well on his matchups uh, when it comes to his scouts and stuff like that. I ain't got too much bad to say about that man. However, I would then go ahead and open up my search at that point, um, basically letting the league and putting the league on notice. Hey, we looking for a head coach. I don't think they, you know, I don't, I don't think that they make a hire this season. Let Anthony Carter rock it out do what he's going to do as a as a former player, uh, been in a system that's a winning system, let him be the him or that for the rest of this year, get what he can get out of those guys. Because a lot of times when you get in these type of situations, you just need a different voice, bro. Again, if you play sports, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you haven't, you may not, and that's okay. I'm not downing you. But if you've been in a situation where you've been in the dumps as a team, sometimes you just need a, a new voice. Sometimes when you're down at life, somebody could be telling you something and you can hear it differently when it comes from a different person. That's not even that's not even sports. So um, that's what I would do, number one. Let Anthony Carter run the ship, and then I would make it known to the league, but I'm looking at one guy and one guy only, and that's me. Again, it's just me. I'm looking at Phil Handy. That guy's one of the best player development guys in the whole NBA. He has the respect of guys all around the league as far as development and just straight up respect. He's an OG type guy. I've talked about him before on this podcast and I'm sticking my flag in the ground, standing 10 toes down with it. That is a guy that can come in and the same problems that I've talked about Taylor Jenkins and staff not being able to develop Jaron Jackson. Oh, let me get, let me get Phil handy with Jaron Jackson for two years. Let me get Phil handy with, if he's still here, Azire Williams. Let me get Santi Aldama if he's still here with a field handy. Because, see, John Dez going to do what they're going to do. Now, there's things that I want Desmond Bain to work on, which is he already operates in the mid-range to a certain extent. He does take mid-range jumpers. But I, I want Dez to get to the free throw line easier and more. I want him to get to the free throw line more and easier, however <laughs> you want to see it. Um, I need him to get in that mid-range pump fake, jump into the body, like that type of – I'm not saying he's a superstar, but that superstar superstar style of play, I need Dez to get there because he puts a lot of wear and tear on his body just like Ja does with the drives and the downhills and stuff like that. And, yes, he's got the body made up for it, 
but I would love to see him just to get easier points. I would love to see him getting, you know, 10 to 12 free throws a game. We know his percentages is high, so he's going to hit the majority of them. But I also want to see him just to not put so much wear and tear on his body. So that's one thing I would love to see from him development-wise. I don't know if that would be a point of contention for Phil Handy with this, but, I mean, you add that to his game, he helps his team even more than what he does right now. You preserve his body from so many injuries. That's the one thing that kind of scares me about Dez. He puts so much on his body, bro. I, I I don't know how long, you know, he can last at that level, especially already going through two seasons with two big injuries that he's played through. So, anyway, um, yeah, I want to see Phil Handy develop and coach these guys. I know he's going to have that respect. I know that. I'm not worried about that at all. Again, I talked about earlier with having a different uh, – I talked about, you know, having a different respect with Tay, uh, Taylor Jenkins. Yes, they may respect him, but I want somebody in there that they're going to respect in a different kind of way. So I would go get Phil Handy, pay him the, as much as you can pay him. Don't make him the highest paid coach in the NBA because he ain't proved it yet, but pay him a pretty penny just to pry him away from L.A. We got no state income tax. We're going to give you the most money you've ever made. You get to, you know, write the ship or at least steer the ship, hopefully writing it. The second thing I would do, I would add Tony Allen to this coaching staff immediately immediately he's in memphis he wants to be here he made it super clear on chris vernon show he wants to be on the sideline bring him on my staff because again the way that he's able to connect to these guys is going to be different than anybody else and he's from here and he wants to be here and i know what he can do helping them guys with defense whatever the hell taylor jenkins is doing i bet i bet tony allen wouldn't have them playing defense that way I bet he wouldn't. If it was up to me, I would keep Anthony Carter on the staff. But again, that's Phil Handy's job. He's going to have to fill out his roster in the way he or his coaching staff in the way he wants to. But if I got Phil Handy, Taylor Jenkins, I mean, oh Lord Jesus, no. If I got Phil Handy, Anthony Carter, and Tony Allen on that on that sideline, do what you want with filling out the rest of that roster. I mean, the rest of that coaching staff. But if I got those three guys, I know I got the respect. I know I got the pedigree and I know I got the development because we all know Anthony Carter was given the 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 kudos for the development he's able to was able to do in uh Miami. I mean, you got two of the best developers, a former player, Phil Handy played basketball. He just I, I can't remember, I don't think he had a high profile career in the NBA, but he hooped. Obviously, you can tell by the videos. I mean, he's still hooping at his age. So, like, yeah, bring me those three guys. Bring me those three guys, and let's right this ship going forward. Does Phil Handy lead us to a championship? I don't know. I know Taylor Jenkins not. Five years in, it's not happening. If you can't develop Jaren, if you can't make in-game adjustments or in-series adjustments early, not when you are forced to and it's too late, you're not able to get control of your, your players, and reach them in ways to actually help the team. No, I know you're not the guy. And that's okay. If you want to take a demotion and be a part of Phil Handy's staff, go ahead. I don't think that's going to be a thing. It shouldn't be a thing. But again, like I said, he'll be a great top assistant somewhere else. If Bud gets another job, bring Taylor Jenkins on and he can be your number one. Great. 
But give me Phil, give me Tony Allen, give me Anthony Carter, and let them figure the rest out. That's what I would do if you ask me what would I would do with this coaching staff situation. I got an answer for you. Some people may just be talking shit and not have an answer. I got a clear and direct answer for you if it was me. Will it happen? I don't know. Probably not. Because they want a guy that they can control. They want a guy that they can feed whatever they want to. At least that's what they've shown. If they can break out of that, I'll be, man, I'll be more than happy. Um, last, I've already talked about schemes with the defense. I, I, I don't even want to go into that. You know, biggest thing is, like I said, the schemes got to be better. The player development needs to be, I mean, we got to kick that shit into high gear or, I mean, really, it's, it's year five. It's not going to happen. Um, and then handling personalities. I think more than anything, when you talk about this John Moran situation, if he has somebody that, not saying he don't respect Taylor Jenkins, not going to say that because I'm not there in the locker room. But I do think if you have a coach that, they, that him and his team respects just more, I think this stuff with Ja don't happen. Ja didn't come in the way that we kind of seen unfold the last year and a half, two years. He didn't come in that way. And if you saw early signs before this stuff that started popping off, a coach that, you know, um, has the cojones, I just say that, to deal with these type of situations, they would have probably cut it short. I don't care if Memphis has never had a superstar. Like at some point, I mean, you, you you let the NBA force their hand at this point. You couldn't control Ja. Not control. Let me uh, that's a nasty word. You couldn't you <laughs> you couldn't reach Ja in a way that 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 cut out the the path that kind of he went down the last year and a half or two. You couldn't reach Dylan Brooks in a way that would have allowed him to help this team in the best way possible. You haven't been able to reach Jaron in a way to perfect or at least um, refine his game in a way that's going to maximize the effort of this team. You just haven't. And if you haven't been able to do it in five years, what makes me think you're going to be able to do it in five more? I came into this season before any of this shit happened and said this was make or break for Taylor Jenkins. And the way that he's handled this situation with the injuries, albeit, is pretty rough. I said it last night. The The games we've had this year where the only two people we were missing out of our main rotation was John Moran and Steven Adams, because we did have a few games where we had majority of the people back, they looked just as bad as they do rolling out Jacob Gilliard as a starting point guard and these other two-way or injury exception guys. They've looked the same way. That tells me it's a scheme thing. It tells me it's probably some other stuff going on behind the scenes, possibly. And has he lost the locker room? I don't know. But, um, yeah, man, it's it's just it got to be better. Got to be better. And like I said, I just can't give you the excuse of injuries when we've been pumping up Taylor Jenkins the last couple of years with his ability to deal with injuries and making guys that not getting player time, that this next man up mentality. It's been so great the last couple of years, but now when he's actually having to coach because Jai's out, yeah, I just – I'm sorry, man. I can't give – I can't. I can't because this stuff has been going on for two years, at least for me. Last few things we're going to go over, man, is the front office, the part that they've played in this. 
a lot of people are saying that like when Ja comes back after game 25, the the team should just go ahead and punt on the season. They should go ahead and tank, get a top pick, and either add a, a top five pick to this team that we have or trade it to bring in another guy. I say to hell with both of those. <laughs> it's hard for me to tell a team with Ja Morant and Desmond Banning leading the helm as well as Marcus Smart to say, no, nah, we're going to punt. We ain't going to even try. We're going to just, we just going to, you know, hey, we, we, we down bad. Let's just go ahead and try to get a pick. This ain't Dallas. And look how that's working out for them. You got Derrick Lively, but I'm sorry, bro. Like, Derrick Lively is not finna maximize Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic. Like, that's that's insane. That they not only tank for the pick, but they use the pick and then try to bring in help. That's crazy. And so if, if I'm looking at that situation, I absolutely don't want that at all. We got enough young guys as is. And truth be told, the best wing that we have is in the G League right now. He's 18 years old, Gigi Jackson. Let him bake in the G League. Let him do what you want him to do down there for this year. If you want this to be a red shirt year, that's fine with me. I don't have no problem with that at this point. The season is, you know, what the season is. If you want him to come out after being around the team and, you know, putting in, taking his lumps in the G League or building his confidence, whatever you want. You may have some things you want him to work on. I would love to see him at least get a shot in some of these games, you know, until um, Ja comes back. But I also don't want to set him up for success either. I mean, set him up for failure either. So I'm totally fine with him being in the G League, you know, this year and then, you know, fire him out of Canada next year at 19, 20 years old uh, with just a, a different outlook than he had coming to this year. I'm fine with that. But I think you got your small forward of the future on this team already. Now, can you maximize and add some pieces around these guys? Absolutely. And that's been my gripe with this with this team for the last couple of years. Going into the season with max roster, with a maxed out roster, you go in with 15 guys plus you max out with your two ways. So before this year, you're going into every season with 17 guys. This year, you get three two ways. So they're going into the season with 18. Like that makes no sense to me because you have no flexibility. And then on top of that, the majority of your end of the roster guys, anywhere from nine to 15 or 10 to 15, they don't make enough money for you to even use in a deal. So now you just stuck. You stuck with these guys that you're giving guaranteed contracts to because you want to create this culture of, oh, we love our guys. We take care of our guys. We take care of our star players and give their, their friends these deals and all this stuff. Well, you know, we want to get the accolades of we're this super smart franchise. We signed John Conchar to a, a three or four year extension, two to three years before it even started. Like what? Like, like stop. Like at some point, bro, you got to go into these seasons with maybe whatever the required is. If it's 13 players, which I believe that is 12 to 13. Go in the season with that. If you want a two way, I don't know if you have to be at 15 to add a two way. But if that's the case, let them two ways be, you know, get you one two way, maybe get you maybe two. I mean, not a two way, but get you a one or two, get you one or two young guys. And, you know, if you see that you need to make a move, if those if those contracts are non guaranteed, just drop them, just wave them. Because what two way guy have we had this worked out anyway? It's cute that we got this farming system with the G League, but which which two way guy has worked out? Killian Tilly, shout out to him, but he ain't work out. Sean McDermott didn't work out. 
Dusty Hannah's didn't work out. Eve's Ponds didn't work out. Like, we just keep bringing in these guys for what? They not working out. The only one that's going to work out is going to be Gigi, and that's because he's not a two-way guy. The Grizzlies, once again, lucked up into a pick. For whatever reason, a guy that was projected first round for pretty much the whole draft season failed to us at number 45, and now they look like the geniuses because they took him. That's luck, bro. That's luck. And I'm highly grateful that they took him. Cause I didn't know his name was Gregory Jackson the third. I bought a second. I just I just knew him as Gigi Jackson. If you go back and look at the Grizz 901 podcast, we were on a, doing a live draft show, and when they announced it, even though I've been, you know, I've been advocating for Gigi the whole draft season, I didn't realize it was him until I put two and two together. And you can see my reaction live. I was excited as hell. But we were lucky to get him at 45. Like this two-way stuff don't work out, bro. Go into the season 12 to 13 deep. And if guys get waived or, you know, you're looking at even around the trade deadline where guys get moved, you know, in a trade to make money work and then they go ahead and get released, you're able to hop on one of these guys immediately because you got the space. Now, granted, you can release somebody and add them that way, but it just makes it – if I don't have to max out the roster, why should I? It keeps happening every year and we get stuck in a position like we did last year where you waited so long to add something to your team that now you stuck with releasing Kennedy Chandler so that you can sign Kenneth Lofton to a, a guaranteed deal and still not play him. Like, we got to stop the, stop the max roster stuff. And if you're going to do that, here's a clue. Let's start putting more vet or veteran minimum guys around these guys. The way that this roster is constructed, even though I believe personally if they were healthy, I'm not betting against them. Some people say, oh, well, even if they were healthy, they would be terrible. Barring the stupid defensive scheme, there's no way them guys are going to be terrible. I'm sorry. A team headed by John Morant, Desmond Bang, Jaron Jackson, Marcus Smart, Santiago Adama, Luke Kennard, Xavier Tillman, um, David Roddy is going to compete if he's a ninth attempt guy. Derrick Rose. Like, no. That team ain't just going to lay down if they healthy. Bismack Biombo, Steven Adams. My bad. I forgot if I'm talking healthy. Yeah, like, no. Brandon Clark, like, stop, bro. Like, no, if we were healthy, this team is going to compete. But I will say five rookies last year was crazy. Why? It's not about picking and choosing which one, bro. Just pick one or two and move on. You already got John Conchard as a, basically a finished, a finished project product. And I'm sorry I keep bringing him up, but it's, it's just the fact of the matter. He's already a finished product, and then you're trying to bring in more projects. And you're trying to pick and choose between. Well, is Zaire going to work out? Well, let's give David Roddy a shot tonight. Zaire, I mean, if David Roddy ain't going to work out, let's give Jake a shot tonight. If Jake ain't going to work out, well, hell, we left with Vince Williams, so let's run him out there and see what the hell he can do. Man, pick one or two guys and move on. Let them, you know, let them be free. Let them go out and seek opportunity because this just, you know, this hopscotching with guys because we got so many and we don't know which one. None of them. Really, if we keeping it 100 None of them are going to probably be, you know, outside. Of, again, I give David Roddy probably the most credence. But outside of him, I'll probably move all the rest of these guys to open up space. It's veteran minimum guys you could have added to this squad around the nucleus of this team for the last couple of years just to give them formidable NBA players to, to play with. 
on top of that, they got experience of being in the NBA. So a lot of this off the court or on the court stuff that you've been, you know, that's been, you know, a black eye for this team, you prevent that. I say this all the time, moving Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill. <laughs> like what? You move solo, you move Jay Crowder and Iggy to bring back Justice Winslow. Like, like what? Like, come on, man. Like, this is ridiculous. And you never replaced them with vets. Your vets have been basically Kyle Anderson and JV slash Steve-O. And that's it for the last couple years. Like, no. Surround them guys with a couple other vets. They talk about the impact that they had on them, so why not replace them? You took a flyer on Justice Winslow, who's not even in the NBA no more. Yeah, you got the first round pick from 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 the from the Warriors that you just flipped for Marcus Smart, but like 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 it's just it don't make sense, man. And and I'm gonna go down real quick. So let's go down the list, right? Like a possibility of guys they could have brought in, um, just with the vet minimum or the MLE, either one that they haven't used. Like I said, outside of Tyus Jones and this past year, they used it on. Uh, Derrick Rose. But outside of that, like, just, I'm just going to run some names off. And you tell me, I can't hear you, but you tell me, would you rather have this person or either one of the five or six or seven young guys that I'm that, that we already have? Malik Beasley, 2.7 million, one year. Say what you want about his showing last year, but outside of that, Malik Beasley, has been a Grizz killer for a long time. Would have loved to have him on our team. Is he on the decline of his career? Possibly. But 2.7 mil, I see what I got. Mason Plumley, a big, seven-foot guy. Professional. Shit, didn't we have him in a trade, I want to say, Taylor Jenkins' first year? Let him go. Five million, one year. Tory Craig, a wing that can play defense and hit threes. Just a vet minimum guy. Two years, five million. Would you rather have him or Jake LaRavia? Would you rather have him or Vince Williams? Would you rather have him and David Roddy? Would you rather have him or John Conchar? Lonnie Walker. Spark plug guard off the off the bench. Vet minimum. Cody Zeller. Professional. 3.1 million. Eric Gordon. Now he's probably ring chasing, so I get that probably the optics are not going with him. And obviously you got you got Derrick Rose, so it's no point of getting two short guys in. I'm just saying, two years, six million. He can shoot, and he's helping out that Phoenix team on a vet minimum deal. Dwight Powell, three years, twelve million. Back up big. We've been needing it forever. Still need it now. Another backup big, Thomas Bryant, two years, five point four million. Hell, you paying you paying Bismack Biombo uh, more than that. Cam Reddish, people couldn't wait to write him off after one game with the Lakers, but then he's been one of their best pieces for the for this whole year off the bench. Believe he even started a few, I think. I may be wrong, but been begging for him to get into a new environment his whole career i.e. memphis hasn't happened but again another vet minimum guy shake milton 
<laughs> two years, 10 million. Torian Prince, 4.5 million. Andre Drummond, 3.6 million. Jeff Green, Uncle Jeff, a veteran, a winner, a champion, and a guy that still can contribute in spot minutes. Six million. Nerlens Noel, I wanted him last year instead of bringing on, you know, um, Junior going into, you know, the end of the season. It was a little bit too late. 3.1 million. And the biggest one that a lot of us as fans, I ain't going to say us because it wasn't me. I didn't mind him coming. But a lot of people put their nose down. Hey, Kelly Oubre. <laughs> Vet minimum deal. Signed basically almost right before the season started. Training camp started. Guy putting up 16 points per game with Philly. Can't tell me you wouldn't rather have him than any other young guys that we got. Oh, let's jump the year before that. Last offseason. Isaiah Hardenstein coming from the Clippers. You can check my Twitter page, advocated for him. Oh, what it would be like to have him starting for the Grizzly team right now. He would have fit in that MLE. People say we couldn't pay Kyle Anderson, but he signed for basically the same deal he had when he was here with Minnesota. We'd much rather have slow-mo than these other guys. Colin Sexton, he didn't go for no big money. Can't tell me as a combo guard off the bench. Again, you got Derrick Rose now. I'm just talking about in that moment, the front office, nothing. Dante DiVincenzo, he, we let him, he go out to Golden State. I mean, knew that was going to work. It just made sense. Bruce Brown, again, this is pre-championship. But you saw what he was in Brooklyn. Again, that's last, that's that's 2022 offseason. Just want to give y'all a couple of names and guys that you can't tell me could not help this team. But the front office, they got they got <laughs> they got arrogant, bro. The ego is a mug when you've been hitting on players. And shout out to Coach Vontae. It was a tweet he put out a couple weeks ago, man, on Twitter. Uh Man, spoke the gospel. How many picks do you want to hit on? You're blessed with Ja. You hit on Jaren. You hit on Bane. You hit on Santi. You hit on Tillman for where you got him at. Like, you hit on guys, bro. Now, surround those guys with NBA caliber role players. Get you a score off the bench that can heat up. Get you a backup big that can just go out there, set screens, get rebounds. Go get you a backup wing or a backup shooter. You got that in loop to a certain extent. Like surround your core with NBA players, bro. And stop trying to build through the draft just because we're a small market team. We got John Morant now. Don't tell me people don't want to come play with him because people are going to Milwaukee where it's cold as hell to go play with Giannis. We were the young, cool thing. Had the swag. We're winning. You can't tell me the people don't want to be around that. Oh, but you want it your way to be right. You want to build a team the way you want to build it, and you want to be correct in that. Well, shout out to Climbing because he came out last year and said, you know, it was the wrong idea to double down on, on you. Duh. Duh. But I'm glad you admitted it. But at some point, I'm ready to see you actually cash in on that. I'm ready to see you make an actual turn on that. You say you tried to give three picks for Mikhail and, and, and OG last offseason or last trade deadline season. All right, cool. What you going to do now? 
because punt on this season, if y'all do it and y'all decide to do it, I don't agree with it. But it's y'all fault y'all in this situation anyway. So, you know, I, I just don't agree with that, man. I, I really don't agree with that. Um, stop trying to get the same kind of player to fit into this mold. Go get Ja Jaren and Dez some help. This ain't this ain't San Antonio. It's Memphis. <laughs> Period. Big Memphis at that. Stop trying to make Memphis San Antonio, dude. Like, no, this is a different market. It's a different team. It's a different type of superstar. We got different kind of uh, type of swag. Like, it's different. So you can't build it the way of somebody that's that you can't stop trying to build it their way. You can't build it San Antonio's way. You can't build it Golden State's way. Build it the Memphis way and let people try to mimic what we do. Be the trendsetter, not the trend follower. Man, that, that, that's really all I got. Last, last, last outlook on on the season at this point. I know I've been kind of going, um, going a little bit longer than what I wanted to. But again, got a lot of thoughts about this season that y'all haven't heard from me in a while, and so you know, I, I guess it's warranted at this point. So I'm ending like this. Going into game 26, we got what nine games left. Like I just said a minute ago, I don't believe in punting on the season with the guys that we have. The front office and coaches that have made the bid that we in. But now it's up to y'all to fix this shit. And I'm going to tell you why. This is just me. Like, like, this is just me personally. January 15th is coming. I think that's a date. I know certain players can be traded if, uh, December 15th, and I think the final date is January 15th. One of the most, like pretty much 100% of the league is tradable at that point. 100% need to make a move. I don't care if it's marginal moves. I don't care if you're going to get an Alec Burks to go be a scorer off the bench at the guard position. I don't care if you're going to New York to get a wing from up out of there, whether it be a Royce O'Neal or Dorian Finney-Smith. I mean, these guys got wings playing center and shit up there because they got so many wings they need to get time to. I don't care if it's an OG. I don't. The cap is going up, so if you can get, a, get him to agree to a 20 mil, 25 mil extension, you do it. I don't care who it is. Go get you a wing. Go get you a <laughs> go get you a, a, a Jeremy Grant in Portland. Go save him. A job, Desmond Bain, Jeremy Grant, Jaron, and whoever the hell else you want type of starting five for this year. And then you go into next year with all those guys on the contract for a, at least minimum another two years. And then you still got GG coming up in the, in, from the G League at that point. If you play your cards right, like I said a few a few minutes ago, you surround those guys with vet minimum guys that can hit shots, play defense, and play their role. They're going to be a team to be reckoned with. It's not really that hard. So, yeah, they got to make a move. Who they move, I don't give a damn. If it ain't the top three, if it ain't 12, 22, or 13, I don't care. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not married to any of these guys. That's including Smart. That's including Kennard. That's including BC. That's including, unfortunately, Steve-O. If you got a chance to make this team better. We haven't had Steve-O for about to be going on three, basically three off seasons in a row. So who, at this point, who, who cares? Sentimentally, it's going to suck. We love to have him on this team. His mindset, his presence, he's a cool guy. Have loved every second of, 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 of him being on this team. And I would love for him to be here long, long term. But he know better than anybody his business. And we want to win a championship. I always say I'm a Grizzly fan first. 
the people that's on the front of the jersey, not the back. Because guess what? They move, they move on or get moved on. I'm not going to stop being a Grizzly fan because they gone. Some people might, but not me. Been here too long for that. They got to make a move. And I say all that to say this, man. If they find a way to get into that play-in, shout out to uh, my boy, Tev Shakir, with the Three to Hardaway podcast. He got a lot of flack. And I still can't give him too much credit because you never knew that we was going to be dealing with the injuries that we did. I, I, I'm sorry. I just can't agree with that. But he called that we was going to probably not even make the play-in, I believe is what he said. Either we weren't going to make the play-in or we were going to be in a, competing for the play-in. It was one of those two. Forgive me, bro, for not, you know, for, for getting your, your statement 100% correct, but I know it was in that vein. But shout out to you for calling that because that's where we at. But I'll tell you this. Don't let them dudes get in the play-in situation. Because if they healthy, I think it's been that type of season to where at some point they're going to say to hell with what TJ is saying and they're going to take over their own team if he don't fix his ways. And them guys going to compete. And I'd be scared as hell. People I, I heard last night talking about the, the, the Minnesota Timberwolves may be the um, probably the best team in the West for the year. I know they're number one right now. But they may you know go in and do some damage in the playoffs. After what I saw last night and what I've been seeing for the last couple years, y'all take y'all, 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 y'all take that victory lap right now while we down bad. Please. But if you let them Grizzlies get the number eight spot and they play them same Minnesota Timberwolves in the first round, give me that. Give me that. Please. You give me a pissed off job that's, that's basically going to be having the best bill of health because he's getting a 25 game break off top. He's going to be rested more than he's ever been. And he's pissed off. You give me Marcus Smart pissed off with what he's having to deal with. I ain't even get a chance to talk about him going off on these folks ass last night at the game. And you let them guys go ahead and, and, and try to figure out a way to Add another piece or two to this team, whether it be a big piece or just two or three marginal pieces to help the starting five or your top five. Man, give me the Minnesota Timberwolves in, in the first round. Please. I beg of you. I love Ant. But you give me that team in the first round and see what happens with all the adversity they had played. You think I'm finna worry about a, a, a pick? Nah. I'm still rolling with them boys from 191 Bill. Sorry to tell you. But that's just me, though, man. Um, Ja, we waiting on you, brother. I hope this time has been used wisely. I can't wait to see you get back on that court and see what you do this season. But, uh, yeah, man, it's time. We nine games away. That's all I got for y'all today. I know it was a little bit lengthy. I know it was a little bit winded. Sorry if I went on a little bit of rant. I ain't used to doing this thing by myself. But I had to get these thoughts off. I really did. Because like I said, I've been sitting on a lot of this stuff for majority of this season, man. So I got it out. I feel good. I hope y'all feel good. Um, or maybe not. Maybe you can't, re- can't wait for this to go off. Either way, I appreciate it. And uh, we'll be back soon, man. Like I said, trying to work some things out. But we'll be back. Uh, if you don't follow the podcast page on Twitter, go ahead. Twitter X, whatever it is. Go ahead and follow that page. It's the No Bluffing Pod. At the No Bluffing Pod, go ahead and give us a follow. We've been doing spaces every Wednesday. You can hop in there. 
Uh, we do it a little bit different in uh, the most spaces. We try to just have kind of like a panel style. So we'll get, you know, a couple people up there and just kind of give a little bit back and forth the whole time. Uh, more so than, you know, everybody coming up and speaking. Uh, but if you want to be a part of the panel, man, hey, DM me and we'll bring you up there. And we'll go for about roughly about an hour. So if you haven't, go ahead and tap in. We definitely want to hear from you on some of these topics. We may even bring up some new topics this week. But yeah, man, I had to get this out to y'all because, like I said, I've been sitting on it. And I, I I couldn't couldn't hold it in no more, man. I'm sorry. So appreciate y'all support as always. Appreciate you if you're hanging in to the end. We appreciate you as always. And um, we're gonna be back, man. I don't care what we're going through right now. It's fine. It's not fine. Let me not say that. I hate this shit. But at the end of the day. The stuff that I'm starting to see, it's it's gonna turn at some point, and the league gonna have hell to pay. I just hope that the front office and the coach staff do their part and don't leave these guys hang out to dry. That's all I ask. But other than that, man, make sure y'all follow Bluff City Media, follow all of our podcast uh, pages, subscribe to them, subscribe to the YouTube, subscribe to the the live shows that we do uh, as well. So much content over there at Bluff City Media. Uh, $5 to make you insider. You can get so much other content that you that you don't see, um, as well as access to the Discord. We talk crazy in there. <laughs> so, um, you know, definitely want you guys to be a part of that. But, man, that's all I got today. Uh, we're going to try to be back next week. I'm going to be honest with you. It just felt good. Uh, whether we losing or not, man, we, we're going to try to be back next week. So, y'all definitely tune in. Stay tapped in, as always. And, uh, yeah, man, like we always say, man, y'all be safe out there. Have a great week and go Grease.